Hello everyone and welcome back. You're listening to Cycling Nate's podcast episode 3. Today we have another guest on the pod all the way from Sydney, Australia, Robbie Matthews. Robbie is from Australia, Australia currently living in the Netherlands in Maastricht where he's studying full-time and riding his bike as fast as possible. We chat about his move over to Europe, racing, studying, day-to-day life and much much more. So I hope you all enjoy this episode. How are you doing? Oh, mate, not too bad. How about yourself? Oh, yeah, I'm okay, thanks. Has it been good weather over there? Um, It's not bad, I suppose. I mean, we had a week of sunshine, so I suppose that's a positive. Yeah, we're forecast fucking... Oh, sorry. Um, two <laughs> weeks of uh, solid rain, so not yeah. looking forward to that. Not good. Yeah, I know um, something about rain coming in from tomorrow for us as of, so um, that's not good. Yeah, not ideal at all. So we'll so we'll kick this off anyways. And uh, Robbie, welcome to the podcast. Um, yeah, we'll just kick this off. Um, how about you tell everyone that's listening a bit a bit about yourself? Well, thanks for having me on, Nate. Um, yeah, no problem. Yeah, I'm Robbie Matthews, a 18 year old uh, from Australia. Born, uh, not born, but raised uh, in Sydney. So yeah, I grew up. Um, just uh, next to the beach and yeah kind of just average childhood and then I've ended up in uh, Maastricht in the Netherlands like to both study and uh, race bikes. From from the beautiful sunshine to terrain. Yeah I mean it's a bit of a sacrifice but it should be worth it in the end. Uh, makes you appreciate the the nice days a lot more. It's true isn't it? I mean, I can relate in some way. I mean, I come from South Africa with the beautiful weather, and now I'm in Ireland with the crappy weather. When did you make that move? Uh, three, almost four years ago, I've I've moved over. So, I mean, that's also a big, big um, change for me from, you know, the heat, proper summer days of like 40 degree heat to now summer days, which would be like 20 degrees, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, yeah. And the, was that just like through family or a bit to with your cycling i mean it, most of it was family decision um just my parents like you know my dad's uh i don't know how far back but you know back down the family tree were, were irish so i mean it's basically like coming home sort of but uh yeah more more about the, the family than than the cycling i suppose that just came along with it yeah finding your roots eh? yeah exactly that's it so, Robbie, how, how did the cycling thing start? Where did it start? How did it start? And, like, how did you get introduced to this sport? Well, I mean, my, when my parents moved here, when I was very small, um, I was born in the UK, and my dad picked up cycling just as a way to, to get fit. And, um, yeah, so he started racing at the, the local club. We have a crit track, a criterium circuit, like, just 2Ks from our house, so... I would always go down there since I could couldn't even walk to to watch him and yeah I learned I learned to ride a bike around that circuit and yeah just slowly got introduced through the the club scene there and yeah just basically as I progressed through the ranks and started going better doing like longer rides and and stuff I kind of slowly fell in love with the sport 
Yeah, that, that's interesting that you say that, like, I mean, I've had a few other guests on here and it's also just been through parents. Like, none of you guys have just brought it up naturally. You just started cycling through parents. I mean, it's not, especially in Australia, it's uh, very different over here, but cycling is definitely not one of the, the top sports. Like, if I was trying to pick a sport, like, uh, from completely out of the blue, I don't know if I would have ended up on cycling. Yeah, that is, that is weird, isn't it? I mean, there aren't, I mean, these days there are quite a few Aussies in the pro peloton, but I mean, not nearly as much as like riders from the UK. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like you think about how far it is and how much of a sacrifice you need to make to come over. It's just something that like a lot of people are not really comfortable doing. And um, yeah, like you say, it's like not, not, the, not, the, not the easiest sport to get into main sport down in in australia i mean where i'm from in sydney it's it's all rugby like mostly rugby and like a uh, cricket and that kind of thing like that's the the sports that you normally do in 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 australian schools and yeah i think like that's like the mainstream thing and that's probably why lots of my friends or people that i was going to school with didn't really understand like like why are you why are you waking up so early like wearing these tights and like but there is a solid community in Sydney and I like really enjoyed like finding, finding people like that were like-minded with me. And yeah, I, I, I fell in love with it. Was it, was there not much pressure from like when you were in school to like play these sports instead of going out and riding your bicycle, like a crazy man? Well, I mean, I was quite lucky in most of us, like normal schools, like you have to do, a Saturday sport or something but I, I didn't really have that I went to an, an international an international school so it was a bit a bit weird like where I was all with these all of all expats so it was kind of a little bit separated already from the kind of mainstream and so yeah I didn't really find it difficult like kind of going through the different path and yeah I mean I, obviously my dad was super supportive of that and we would always ride on on weekends and i guess it was kind of a way of me like getting closer to him and just keep keep trying to challenge myself physically and yeah i think that's really why i like doing it and it, like it kind of like uh, you've probably found this as well as a kid it gives you a lot of freedom doesn't it like oh yeah it does most of the people that i knew wouldn't even know like what was like 20k's outside of sydney and I've been around like almost every road on the outsides of on the to the north and south of Sydney that and beautiful sites that these kids like would never experience even like even still here the people that I'm going to uni with don't know the beautiful countryside around and I think that's why the sport's so beautiful. I say like a lot of people ask me like you're crazy why did you ride this many hours but I mean I just love it and I, I enjoy it you know and I mean, a bicycle can take you places, as you said, that a lot of people wouldn't even know, like, exist. Yeah, and also even, like, on the sporting aspect of things, it's a it's a sport that's not very complicated. Like, you ride a lot of hours and you get better, no? Like, if, if you can't, like, if you're playing tennis or something and your stroke isn't good or you're doing swimming, like, you're never really going to get to the top level. But in cycling, I kind of like, it's like a hard man sport. You just keep plugging at it and you'll eventually find your way yeah so would you would you say your family played a big development in in developing you and like a big role in your development 
Uh, as as a cyclist, definitely. Like my dad always, like I until maybe two or three years ago, I wasn't that athletically gifted. Like I would get dropped at almost every single race that I would go to, and my dad would still keep taking me out and like congratulate me, and like would still take me out on rides and like buy my equipment. Like I mean, most parents I think would would kind of get sick of it, maybe push me in the direction of a a new sport, but he saw that I, or my parents, both of my parents saw that, that I loved it. And, um, yeah, I, I kind of stuck to it. And I guess like I had a little bit of a chip on my shoulder and yeah, it's helped me develop to where I am today. I mean, that's a good thing. Like your, your dad didn't give up on you. And I mean, he believed in you. So, I mean, why not? Yeah. I mean, like I'm very happy. It, it kept me out of trouble a little bit. Like, I'm thinking of like what my life would be without cycling and uh, it seems pretty grim. Pretty boring. Yeah. Yeah. I like I doing sit, much. Yeah. No, I sit back some days and like wonder like, what would I be doing if I didn't do cycling? Yeah. Well, I mean, also I think it's kind of like being a cyclist is kind of like riding all these hours is conducive to not doing much else for the rest of the time. Cause you're so cooked. So exactly. Maybe, maybe you would do different things, but I, uh, yeah, I don't know. Oh, that is true. I do doubt myself sometimes when the weather's bad. I'm like, oh, why am I even on a bike in this weather? Like, you know, why do I do this to myself? And then you get the, the little flashbacks. Like you, you see, you see picture you got yourself going up like a, the mirror or move on to. And you're like, okay, yeah, that's the dream. Eh? Exactly. So did you do any sports before you started cycling or... Ah, uh, just a little bit here and there. Um, I, we as a, a big part of Australian culture is like doing what we call nippers, which is like surf life-saving training. So we, I, I'd go down to the beach every Saturday and like, like basically train to become a, a lifeguard. And yeah, it's something like I did until I was like I don't know, twelve, thirteen. I did like a bit of tennis, a bit of like some weird stuff like badminton and stuff but I, I didn't really like I wasn't really I was a bit long and lanky and awkward and my hand and eye coordination wasn't wasn't ideal so I think cycling was kind of perfect for me it's interesting I suppose like we all we all start off doing something else um like if you speak to a lot of cyclists it hasn't only just been cycling they started off doing something else and then got into the sport yeah, and I think, I mean, it, it probably, like, you see all of these guys coming through, like, mountain biking and cyclocross, and I think there's definitely a huge advantage of being, like, kind of multifaceted, like, you get, you like, pull, like, skills from all different aspects of, of cycling, and yeah. just, they've well, got I mean, the, best, the best rider in the world at the moment is a ski jumper, like. Yeah, exactly, that is true. <laughs> I mean, cycling does have a, bit, a few bit of skill. Like, I mean, it's not just get on the bike and ride. I mean, like, you see how close you ride in bunches together and, like, it just takes a clip of a wheel and you're gone. Yeah, it's a bit, a bit sketchy, you know? Like, I, I've been on the bad end of a few crashes and it makes you question why you do it, but yeah, it's and part of the fun. Like, have, have you had many crashes and, like, how bad have they actually been? Yeah, I mean, I, I've been I've been to the ER a, f a few times. Like, uh, I've broken my pelvis twice, my hand. Um, yeah, nice collection. Lots of 
lots of road rash, some nice scars to show off, but yeah, yeah, I feel uh, like I suppose, I suppose the worst thing is the road rash at the end of the day. Wow, well, I don't know. I mean, like, I, I guess uh, the other day I had a crash, and like, yeah, you're right, getting in the shower that first time is not ideal, yeah. but at least you can still get on your bike the next day. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that is true. But I mean, like, it does take so long to heal, too. Like, you would think, oh, it's only road rash. But I mean, it takes a, a bit of time to heal. And it's un- awful uncomfortable if you have to be on the bike again the next day. Yeah, especially on, like, contact points, like, your yeah. hand or, like, your hip where you're, like, moving up and down and you can feel it. Like, Yeah. So tell us, what would a typical day in the life be? At the moment? Yeah. Why not? So, I mean... I guess I, I could give, give you this, this morning. I woke up at, I don't know, 8 a.m., had a cup of coffee, some, some porridge, um, got my bike ready, changed some tires, and, um, yeah, headed out. We had a, a club ride today uh, around, like, we were just doing training crits, basically, around a, around a, a local circuit. Okay. and. Yeah, so that that takes up about like I don't know five hours of my day, oh. um, doing that ride, and then I got home, had some lunch, and uh, I straight into some schoolwork. I have I have some some projects that I have to do for my university degree, and um, yeah, then have dinner, watch some Netflix, and then the day's over, and I have to start over again. Jeez, so a busy, busy lifestyle. Yeah, I mean, it's not ideal. Like most, most of, I guess the uni is kind of designed not, not with a, a full-time athletic um, background built into yeah. it, but we make it work, don't we? And what sort of training schedule do you have, bearing in mind that like you're a full-time student? I mean, I'm still, I'm doing a pretty standard training schedule, like because most of my classes, especially this this term, are, are later in the afternoon, so I still have plenty of time for training. Like, okay. I think this week was pretty big. I did like twenty three hours, twenty four hours, but usually I would fifteen to twenty is my typical range. Yeah. So not not as much as your big pros, but still enough to to keep the legs ticking over. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Well, I mean, that is a, a big training block, like a big week. Bearing in mind, you still got to get home and do like your university studies. Yeah, it cracks your head a little bit. Like, definitely a lot of coffee needed, and just keep <laughs> trying to keep your head straight, like looking at the screen and, and studying. It's not ideal. Yeah, but. I know. I get you. Yeah. And what sort of social life do you have? Because I mean, on one hand you're stud- studying full time, and on another hand you're trying to train, and then come season time you'll be racing so like when, when do you have time to socialize when when is your social life i mean i think i think i was i actually got quite lucky because of covid like i haven't had the chance to meet that many people from the university because all of our classes are online so i've okay. got a pretty small circle of friends that are all like uh that i'm that are pretty cool with my cycling and they they understand yeah. that i'm not i'm not on the juice like every night like them but yeah yeah, oh, like I mean, suppose that is a handy way of getting around things at the minute with with COVID. Yeah, I mean, yeah, a big part of university, as you know, is is getting to know new people, and I yeah. think Maastricht is a pretty cool place for that, especially because it is such a big international student city. Yeah, uh, 
And tell me, why from Australia all the way into the Netherlands? Like, why? Why I mean, not Spain or Switzerland or anywhere? I mean, Spain, like right now I'm thinking, oh, Spain would be quite nice. But I think it, it's, there's, a, there's a number of reasons for it. And like, I think the main one is, is the pathway that for me in particular, like through the amateur ranks into the Conti and then further than that even, there's a pretty clear defined pathway and lots of different opportunities in the Netherlands. And this region of the Netherlands in particular, Limburg, right at the south, has got really nice like terrain for cycling. And there was also a good university here. So it kind of worked perfectly. Like if I were to move to Spain or something, there's not as much racing for, for amateurs or from what I saw and like the universities were not, were not as good or didn't exist where, where, where you would want to live. Like, so when I, did you make the move over? So I came over here in June last year with the idea being that I would still get some racing in like before uni started, but that all got shut down. So I was, I've just been basically plugging away at my training since then. Like I've had a few, a few small races, but nothing, nothing major. Like it's pretty, been pretty interesting. This COVID has messed us all up. Like same as myself, like uh, last year, I only got a handful of racing and, and even that wasn't anything too serious. I mean, I think a, a good distraction for me was just having to learn like, I mean, it's, it's something that everyone has to go through, but having to learn to live by myself, to cook for myself, to like find good food and make sure I'm eating enough and healthy. And I've kind of been able to lock those things down. So I guess when racing does come around, I'll be, I'll be much more prepared for that. How did you find the transition from like being at home and getting your food cooked for you and now being all by yourself in a different country, a different language, a different culture? everything's just different how how are you coping and how did you find the move i mean for the for the cooking perspective i don't mind cooking it's just the cleaning up that that gets me like mean? i feel like <laughs> it's like i'm cooking and like all of a sudden there's like 10 dishes all of a, uh, appearing and yeah I mean, yeah no it's not that bad but i actually quite enjoy it like having the the freedom of living by myself no one's asking you questions like when you're when you're leaving and coming, you can kind of do what you want. Like, I, I, I like operating on my own schedule. Like, it's having family cooking everything for you. But even, as a cyclist and someone who's, like, trying to, like, make everything perfect, like, it, it's nice to be able to control everything that you that happens in your life. In the culture, I mean, obviously, there's a bit of a language barrier, but like, how are you finding that? Well, I mean, it's actually not that bad. Like, most Dutch people, surprisingly for me, they're super fluent in English. The only problem is, like, when you get a big group of Dutch Dutch guys, they, they kind of don't want to speak English. Like, so I've had to learn a little bit of Dutch, but it, it's coming along slowly. And um, yeah, the culture, it, it's not. It's not so different to, to, um, to back home, maybe just because of how international this city is, but may, it would be a little bit different probably up north in, in the true countryside. But 
so far I, I'm really enjoying it and yeah, I can't really, I don't have anything to complain about. That's the main goal. That's the main goal. Yeah. Where if you're happy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for sure. I mean, I, I'm not trying to do anything crazy. If I if I don't make it to the very top level, I'm not I'm not completely upset. I just want to keep challenging myself in both life in in and out of cycling and yeah, like I, I enjoy just keep plugging at it, like trying to make myself a better person and a better cyclist at the same time. Tell me, within the team, are you? Do you find the language a problem, or is everyone really chill and just everything's English and kind of like, oh, we have to like speak English, or is it? Do you think some guys find it like a bit of a hassle? I don't think anyone finds a bit a, a hassle at all. It's just like all of the team communications, like emails and and group chats and stuff, are all done in Dutch. So I just copy and paste it into Google Translate. But when I'm talking like one on one, riding next to another guy. Like every single guy on the team speaks English perfectly, so there, there's no problem with that at all. Um, it's obviously nice for me to learn Dutch. That way, I can it, 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 I can be quite kind of more included in everything. But like, I'm slowly getting into it. Like, I think I need to make more of an effort. Probably, uh, I've been trying to do like Duolingo and stuff, but I think the way to go is just kind of trying to just force it yourself and when you go to the shops when you're asking for stuff just like make a fool of yourself a little bit and yeah you'll get it eventually i think or i'll get it yeah i mean like even like locals if they see you're trying to make an effort like they help you out then i mean the 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 thing is like i feel like if you if you're too nervous about it they just speak english to you because they all speak english perfectly but if you kind of make it like seem like you're joking a little bit, they'll be like, "Oh, I, I see what he's trying to do. Like, I'll, I'll I'll play his game a little bit." And yeah, uh, that really helps. The the dream for the cycling was the was the main goal. Do you think? Like, I mean, we all have to set our goals, and we have to. We obviously have mini goals in between that we first need to reach to get to the the main goal. But what would your main goal be? Like a dream race or something? No, as in. What would your dream be? Like, would you want to become professional or like, how, how do you want to... If, if, I, could, if I could, I, I, I would become professional, but I'm still realistic. I think I, it's better to think in the short term, like maybe in the next three years, try to get to the level where I can become continental and yeah, see where it goes from there. But yeah, obviously I, I see guys like um, Wild and Bidcock and... Casper Asgreen and these guys are like my heroes and I, I'm always watching the the racing and stuff and picturing myself like, oh, what, do we, what would it be like to to be there? But yeah, you kind of just has, have to take it as it, come, as it comes. I suppose it's amazing, like especially in, in the modern times of cycling, uh, a lot of the riders that are coming through now are young. Like, I mean, they're 20, 21, 22. And um, yeah, I mean, it's amazing. Yeah, I mean, I think the the thing is, and like it's been repeated over and over again. But like, even me, like as, since I've been like fifteen, I've I've had a power meter and had kind of a, an idea how to train. And I think with the internet and everything like that, you have access to all of this information, and you're able to get in touch with so many different people and like bounce ideas on like nutrition and 
how to fuel a race, how to, how to proper periodize your training and stuff. Like, and I, I just don't think it was, it was a thing before. So it's allowed people that are talented, like obviously these guys that are coming through so young, they're super like naturally gifted. Um, it's allowed them to just leapfrog a little bit and, and become these superstars. But yeah, some of these guys are crazy. No, I, I definitely agree. Like if you look who just won the Tour de France last year, like Pogacar is only what, 22? And I mean, to win a three-week stage race, like... But he's not only he's not only just a skinny climber; he can do everything. Like I know he yeah. can time trial, he can sprint. Like it's crazy. Yeah, it, it's pretty it's pretty amazing these these talents that are that are being unearthed, and I think it's good for the sport. We having these superstars like it'll only like you see the attention that cycling's had recently, and it's going to be, I think it's going to be a big sport in the next few years. It will. I mean. Uh compare if you're comparing like cycling to like golf in terms of like salary wise there's a big difference for like yeah for hitting a ball kind of thing if you know what i mean exactly right and like being able to you can literally ride the same roads that they do the races on like an hour before it's not like no other sport is like that like and stadiums are like the the courses are like ever changing. It takes you through all of these different beautiful places. Like, yeah, it's like there's nothing like it. Who or like, who would be your inspirations in in the cycling world? Like your cycling heroes. Do you have any specifics? I mean, since I was young, like when I was growing up, I was seeing like Cadell Evans um, winning the tour. Obviously, that was huge. Like, and that got everyone super excited in Australia. I always watching Richie and, um, and Caleb Ewan, like, but recently I've been, I've been super inspired by guys like, like Tom Pidcock and, and today even I had the chance to meet him at the Tour Down Under a couple of years ago. And yeah, these young guys coming through and just riding with no fear. It's just so amazing to watch. Like. Hi, Robbie. What, what drives you to get up in the morning and to go and do your training every day? I mean, I'm pretty head cracked. I just, I just like hurting myself. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, I, I just, I, I see my, I, you can feel yourself getting better. No. And I really enjoy the process. I know lots of people don't enjoy training, but I say I almost prefer training to racing. Like I, I just like seeing myself get better. And then like you have a few days off and then, you do a big ride and you're flying like there's nothing more satisfying than that feeling of just gradually getting better and i think that's what drives me to wake up every morning just feeling myself improving and becoming a better cyclist first to anyone listening they would say we're head cracked all our cyclists anyway like who wants to go sit on a bike for six hours and train like yeah exactly right like that's like the comment that i get almost every day that I talk to a non-cyclist, like, doesn't your butt hurt? Like, but yeah. You yeah. Gotta... Like I got so many friends that have no clue about the cycling world and they're like, Oh, you're going to train in five hours again today. You're like, yeah. And they're like, do you not get bored? It's like, no, not really. I just look around. Exactly. Talk to myself. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, maybe put a podcast on something like that. Listen to Cycling Nate's podcast. Yeah, a quick cheeky plug right in the middle. 
Why not? And Ravi, tell us, what advice would you give young cyclists who want to start up cycling and get into the higher level of, of like cycling? I mean, the way I really got into it was through the, the social aspect. And like, I think the, the biggest thing is just, just loving riding your bike and trying to get yourself with a group of people who are, are kind of on the same mindset as you. Like find some, rope some other mates in to, to ride with you. And I think training becomes a lot more tolerable if you have a good group of guys to train with and I think that's the most important thing if, if you have other guys that are also progressing at the same time as you it's much more motivating to to become better uh, I know what you mean yeah I mean like it, it's not always very fun to go out and do five hours by yourself um, whereas like the time feels like it's taken forever but I suppose if you have a good group of friends around you and you're all cycling i mean it makes it a bit easier isn't it? i think for sure and like also not being afraid to to ask like older more experienced guys like hey do you want to go for a ride like and asking them for advice i think that's something that that's really unique in cycling is that the the almost the very top level guys they're so accessible like if, if you're a few levels away from from being able to ride with the very best in the world like that you can see if you live in the same town, like I, I ride, ride around and I'm like, well, I see Tom Dumoulin going past the other way. Like yeah, it's no other sport. You're not kicking around on your local football pitch and see Messi um, go past. Like, no. I mean, you can meet the, the professionals at the highest level, just down your local roads. Yeah, exactly. Right. Like, yeah, no, it is. It is a cool sport in that perspective. Yeah, for sure. And like just the fact that all the training is so individual, like you don't, you don't, I mean, apart from we have like the the occasional session with the team, but even all the pros, they're just doing, they're sent away and they just do the, their own training and everyone's kind of responsible for themselves. It's, it's pretty unique. You don't really see that in many other team sports. Like if you meet a professional along the road, like he wouldn't even mind you tagging along, like. It wouldn't be like a hassle uh, kind of thing, you know? Yeah, exactly right. Like a big tradition like in what for juniors is to go to the, the Tour Dananda a week early and um, all of the pros, they stay in the same hotel. So we, we've done lots of big rides with, um, with lots of different teams before they're, they're racing. And these guys, are, they're always stoked to have, have like aspiring like young kids like tag along with them. And those are some of the best rides that I've ever done. Imagine, like, I mean, the pros don't mind us tagging along as long as you're not holding them back, like, and as long as you know they're not going to wait up for you. Yeah, uh, if you're not disrespectful and putting a phone exactly. in their face, like, they're usually pretty cool. But on to racing a little bit, like, how's your racing been going in the, in the last couple of years? Well, I mean, recently it's not really been going, has it? I know, yeah. I know. <laughs> but, We're hoping for it to get going. Yeah, we are hoping, but... Yeah, in the last couple of years, like, I've really seen my development, like, increase quite a bit, uh, I guess, as I mature physically. And, um, yeah, so I, I was lucky enough to be supported by um, this team, Nero, Nero Bianchi, who are, like, a top-level um, amateur team in Australia. And they had a lot of strong guys. And I was able to kind of tag along a little bit, and they would always give me advice and, take me to a few races and 
yeah, through that, I was kind of improving very fast. And yeah, just at the end of 2019 and 2020, I was kind of seeing that come, come to fruition. And then, yeah, I, I pulled together some, some nice results, like, like the top 10 in, in the nationals as a junior, like I was pretty stoked with that, but yeah, I, I, I was a bit disappointed that the racing got called off just as I was kind of getting hot, but yeah, that's life, isn't it? I've got plenty more years. You're only young, like, you know, there's loads of years to, to develop yet and get to the top level, I think, especially. Yeah, exactly right. Like I finished, I'll be finished my uni degree and I still have a year of under 23 left, like, and some guys have like if you see Mike Woods who won the stage the other day of Romandy, he he only went pro like late twenties or or something, maybe Guy, even thirty. I don't think it's too late to go pro at any age, really. Like you know, yeah, you just stick at it, don't, don't you? I suppose, like if you have the goal and the dream, like you you can make the dream a reality. I think personally, I I say, like it's all in the head at the end of the day. Yeah, I, or you'd like to think that, wouldn't you? Like, I if if you don't think that way, then you kind of put yourself in a bad spot. Like, you have to you have to always dream big and make it make you think at least think that it's a possibility. And when you're thirty or forty, you don't want to have any regrets that you didn't go go all in and and give it your best shot. So, I guess that's that's what I'm trying to do a little bit. What would be your proudest moment so far regarding your you're racing yeah probably crossing the line at, at, at nationals the other like last year um oh but i think even like even better than that was uh at the at the end of 2019 i was doing my first like national road series level and like just like i was expecting just to be dropped after 20ks and we were like deep into the first stage and I was like, wow, this is actually all right. And then I ride up through the front of the bunch and I see my teammates and they're like, whoa, Robbie, what are you doing here? And I think that that small moment of like realization of like, wow, I'm actually, I'm actually not bad at this is, is even more proud. I think like that was kind of a, a turning point for me in realizing like what I could be in, in the future and like how much I love the sport leaves that little, like even just a second that you talk about there, that gives you a lot of motivation going on from there. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you have these kind of out of body experiences, like when you're doing something like really special like that, you're like, wow, I'm really here. Like even me riding around the lanes here, I'm like, wow, I really am like living the dream really. We'll dig in, we'll go back a little bit um, from to where you were living back in Australia. How do you find racing back home in regard to racing in Europe? Well, racing back home is, a lot of it is just like small club crits. We like in summer in Australia, you can race almost every day of the week in, in Sydney at least. Like, and you have these small like 20 person bunches, A, B, C and D grade and yeah, as a, as a kid, like moving up through the grades was kind of the thing. Um, but yeah, there wasn't really much junior racing. So as a kid, you're straight away racing with, with adults, which is something completely different, especially to here where they, 
always riding even in like the under 15s they've got like 200 person races and just craziness i mean yeah so i guess that that means that i kind of had to had to mature really quick like going through the grades and kind of be able to to put my elbows out a little bit and learn how to ride around a bunch pretty early and i think i was very lucky in sydney that there were so many like quite high level riders that I could learn from and just just even from just sitting in their wheels and trying to follow them in the sprints and stuff. I think that really helped me. So there's a big difference racing back home and racing here, maybe like the level? Huge difference. I mean, it's like night and day. The, the guys here are like monsters and they've been racing also. Most of the guys that I was racing in Australia, like they were just like, normal guys working day jobs whereas here like first of all i've only raced against juniors here so it's it's completely different and these kids have been like i feel like they were born on a bike almost like (laughs) even the dutch people that i meet that are not cyclists like they could probably win a a c-grade crit back home it is amazing especially these days like kids of like 12 and 13 riding these high-end bikes with like proper power meters and professionally coached and everything's it's amazing to see yeah especially like it well here it's such a big thing like you see the support from from lots of like junior teams and there's like definitely bigger like structures that don't really exist in australia and i think i think that's why people are so successful here because they can get support from such a young age and kind of there's a very clear pathway on how to progress through the ranks, which is a bit blurred in Australia. Like when when you get to the very high level, it kind of it's kind of like a dead end, and you can win all the races you want, but there's not really a next step. That's why so many guys come over to Europe to try to make it. Living in like back in Australia, like did you ever come to Europe, like race under fourteens or juniors or anything like that? I was lucky enough to to actually do two trips to Belgium as a as a junior or well, what firstly as a under 17 and then as an under 19 like it was pretty random I was just with my dad in the car and I came across this ad on Facebook I think it was and it was like uh here like Belgian junior racing camp and I was like oh dad could I give this a go and he's like yeah, I don't know, like maybe like just do some research, email the guy. So I did and yeah, I ended up coming over twice to, to Belgium to do some racing and I think that that really like showed me the different level that it was on and I thought that I was just going to get like my ass handed to me the whole time but I kind of was holding my own a little bit and it kind of gave me a bit of hope that, that I might be able to do well over here. A lot of Kermesa racing then. Yeah, that was the the whole thing. Like proper, like in summer, you you open up the calendar. There's like three races that you can do every single day around Belgium. So it's pretty pretty wild. It's it's sad that the COVID has kind of curtailed that. Like it's just insane. The the you you enter like walk into like a, a smoky bar with these old dudes. They give you the number and. You, you do the race and they pay prize money down to like 50th. Yeah, it's just like so old school. I love it. 
heard a little story about you after the Kermesa race, which I don't know if we should let the people know, but I wonder if you know what story I'm talking about. After a Kermes race? A little, a little birdie uh, told me a little story about you after a Kermesa's race. Um, don't quote me on this, but I don't know when it was, but I remember, I know a, an inside source that told me a bit of a story. Hey, enlighten me. What are you referring to? Birdie told me a story, um, and you'll know exactly who the birdie is once I reveal the story, but um, apparently it was after a Kermesa race, and uh, the rest of your teammates uh, got a lift back home, and uh, you and another fellow cyclists had to cycle 20Ks home. Yeah, man, that's, that's standard, eh? Yeah, <laughs> but that's not where I'm going with this. Um you were cycling home and one kilometer in Robbie needed to use the bathroom ASAP and uh, I don't know if you remember this but this is what I've been told um, and he said that you were cycling home anyway and one kilometer in Robbie needed to use the bathroom ASAP and uh, you had to leg at home and you ended up dropping your, your fellow partner going home do you, do you remember that story? Oh, I mean, I I can imagine it happening. I don't I don't remember exactly, but yeah, I I think I think I kind of picture it. Just just full gas home, like oh, yeah, was, it, it was, was a good time story. back in the day. Was, was that from Mac? Story. It might have been. I can't reveal <laughs> names now, but I got told this little story anyway. Yeah, no, yeah, good times in in, in Belgium. I, I I mean, that's part of the reason that I moved here. Like. The amount of fun that I had just going to Camises and then just hanging out with mates afterwards, like it kind of made me fall in love again with the with the sport. I heard another story about you saying that uh, what's it called? Gummy bears are overrated. So, like, what is your bonk food? Oh, I mean, I, I was just commenting on the 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 lack of creative choice by your brother. Having just the standard gummy bears, I think there's there's much more more creative options in in Harry Bros, but those are a definite staple of my of my bonk food here. Like, I feel like the 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 service stations are few and far between around Belgium and the Netherlands. So when you're bonking and you see one, it's like like an oasis in the desert almost. You like kind of stumble in and like grab everything that you see. They have all this chocolate and infinite ranges of Haribo like bit bit of a novelty still for me here imagine like I'm I suppose like for anyone listening like a bonk is like it's serious isn't it yeah I mean you don't want to be bonking that's why uh, I've I, I've tried to kind of lock down on on the amount of carbs that I'm eating and try to calculate that to try to stop that happening like definitely don't want to bonk that's one of the worst feelings if that happens in a race just the feeling of bonking yeah not not what you want to be doing and yeah i had that in the in our national championships it's usually held in the heat and we say that it's more of an eating competition than a bike race like you're just trying to drink as many like uh bottles as you can and just smacking gels every lap like amazing though like how much the body actually needs to take in per like hour 
I mean, yeah, especially you can, earn, you, you can only hold about 1500 to 2000 calories. So once that's depleted, you need to fill it up again, like, or else you won't be able to perform and at, at the same level as you were when you were completely full. And tell me before we wrap up here, cause I mean, the time is flying by. Um, what is the goal, the near goal? Like, I know obviously COVID is still around and that like with racing, do you have any specific goals you have in mind? I'd love Maybe. to win it. I'd love to win a couple of bike races. That's, that's the dream. I mean, obviously top tens and like being up in the front, front group is nice, but if I could get a couple of wins at the end of the year, that would be, be very special. And I, I think that would very help me in finding um, or progressing through the ranks a little bit um, over here. Okay, anyway, Robbie, um, we're here and we're going to end this now in a few minutes. Uh, so I suppose this is your opportunity. If you have any sponsors or like people you'd want to shout out, I suppose this is your time now. I guess I got to shout out the, the, the team, TWC Maslanster. Um, I th- I'd like to thank them for giving me an opportunity to race over here and yeah, just being so kind and welcoming to me. If you want to follow me on my, my Instagram, I post semi-frequently there it's um at follow robbie one word um yeah i mean it was a pleasure to be on and it's always nice to have a chat with you nate so much robbie for coming on and i'll link all your socials down below and sure this will be out soon so yeah thanks nate have a good one same to you cheers mate Well, I guess that's another episode done and dusted. Thank you, Robbie, for coming on and having a chat and telling us your story. I truly enjoyed it. I hope you all enjoyed listening in. And if you did, why not give it a follow, a like, and even share it to your friends. I'd like to thank everyone for all the support I've been getting. And if you have any suggestions on how I can improve, or if you want to see someone on the podcast, just send me a DM on Instagram at Nathan underscore Kerensky one or at Cycling Nate's podcast. And I'll see you next time. Bye-bye.